What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green here. You're watching Inside the Green Room on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And in this episode, we were lucky enough to be joined by the one and only, the legendary Dr. J. He came by to talk to us about our team championship chase, our matchup against the Nets, and he also gave us some fashion advice. Let's get into it. What's good? It's Harrison Stanford. That's Sandy Green. This is Inside the Green Room on NBC Sports Philadelphia. We have Dr. J on the show. He's going to talk to us about a multitude of things, basketball-related, fashion-related. You know what time it is. But before we do that, I want to catch up with Danny real quick, who's back on the road again after being on the road with that West Coast trip. And while you've been gone, you've I assumed you missed, you missed your dogs, and now you're thinking about potentially getting another pet? Uh, I, I always miss my dogs, man. We were gone for 13, 14 days. I don't think I've ever had a road trip like that. Even with the rodeo road trip in San Antonio, we were gone for the whole month, but it was broken up to like a week, then all-star break, then another week. Um, but 13 to 14 straight days is a long time. And so I did miss my dogs. Um, I wasn't thinking about getting one, but somebody sent me a picture of another, you know, I have two Pomsky. So somebody sent me a picture of another Pomsky that came in to the same pet store that I got my two dogs from. Um, and she was a female and I honestly, we don't want another dog until we get kids. We don't have kids yet. So we're waiting to have kids first. But when I saw her, it, it give me, I kind of thought about it more than I should have, um, about getting another one, but you know, dogs that higher maintenance, a little bit more to take care of harder to do, especially when you're traveling. Uh, so that kind of put me in a route of maybe going back to getting, cause I had snakes maybe going to reptiles again, maybe getting some newer snakes or something that's low maintenance or easier to handle uh, than, you know, mammals. Uh, but yeah, man, we need to have kids first before we get another dog. And hopefully it's just keep two. It also give me, some other people give me perspective. You know, you don't do three because it's harder to travel with them. You know, you have emotional support animals. Two, it's okay, one for each person. But if you have more than two, it's so much harder to get them on the airline. So that's something to take into account. Um, but yes, getting another pet, something maybe exotic is something that has been, on my mind as of late. Well, you know, the thing about having two dogs too, if you have people in your life who are offering to babysit your dogs, it's kind mm -hmm. of hard for them to take care of two. A certain co-host of this show would know how difficult <laughs> it might be to babysit two uh, Pomerian Huskies. Well, that's a story for another day. Uh, before, we, <laughs> before we get to Dr. J, real quick, who is the person you are most, the least likeliest to trust babysitting your dog on the team? Okay, on the team, well, we know the co-host of this show is definitely not trustworthy. The, that incident you're talking about, that was a bad incident. I had somebody watch my dogs. Um, but on the team, who would I trust the least? There's a couple guys that do have dogs. Some of them are responsible. Um, but if I had to guess, if they didn't have the resources or the money to do so, have somebody train or watch them, it probably would be Ben, maybe. I would think maybe Ben... Or he's the least like uh, he's the person you would least trust. Doesn't he have dogs already? He does, but I think he has people help. I said if he didn't have the resources for people to help him watch the dogs, I so don't. So you calling out his dog ownership skills on your? But I think he, he's used that, to. He, I think he he does. He is used to animals, so he's probably more trustworthy. I'm trying to think who is the messiest, least responsible person on the team. Hmm. I didn't say you have to say all of that. Just, well, that's that's usually that's usually the route you go, man. That's the route you go. I'm trying to think. Like Dwight he has animals. He he is pretty good with them. I think Ben's from Australia. Always a lot of animals. Uh, Tobias is pretty responsible. Um, I'm trying to think who might be the Seth. He seems pretty responsible. He's a curry. Um, <laughs> Matisse is very particular. Furcon, I don't know. I see his locker is kind of messy, so it might be Furcon. He might be the guy that I don't. 
I'm not sure if I would trust my dog with him. Um, but I probably have to go with the rookies, you know, the young guys. Um, Paul Reed, probably have to go with Paulie Reed. Um, I think he would have troubles taking care of not just one dog, but two dogs. There is an incident, there was an incident where when I was staying at the hotel, <laughs> this was funny as hell. We were on the same floor, me and Paul Reed, and he's kind of oblivious. So he has no idea what's going on. I come back from a walk with the dogs. He's down the hallway. They have fun. I let them up the leash. They run and attack him. He doesn't see them till they get to five feet up on him. And he just freaks out and jumps, jumps out the, like almost into his, his room, hits the door. Um, he's like, oh my God, do they, do they bite? I'm like, nah, bro. If they did, I wouldn't let them off the leash. And they probably would have bit you already. Um, but yeah, he, I don't know if he's scared of dogs, but that moment was, was pretty funny. And I think he would probably be the one that would struggle the most with watching my dogs. That is a, a valid case for Paul Reed, B-Ball Paul, not being uh, the designated babysitter for your dogs, as well as he's probably not in charge of any playlist curation, because I saw that clip, Marvin Gray. <laughs> <laughs> we all know about it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's somewhere on Twitter. We'll be right back with Inside the Green Room. Dr. J is going to join us soon. Inside the Green Room is on social media. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Inside Green Room and on Twitter at Green Room Inside. Now back to the show. What's up, what's up everybody? It's Danny Green here, back with more Inside the Green Room. My co-host, Harrison Sanford. We are have joined today by a special guest, the one and only, none other, and legendary Dr. Julius Irvin. How you doing, Doc? I'm good, I'm good, Danny. How are you, man? I'm doing okay, man. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. Hey. You've always been one of my longtime favorites, idols, people that I've always looked up to, me and my friends, et cetera. Do I, do I call you Doc, Mr. Irving? Uh, <laughs> what do you prefer to be called? Well, you know, I mean, Doc is respectful because so many people call me that. Uh, you know, some of them can't pronounce Julius. <laughs> they don't want to go to Mr. Irving group or whatever. But whatever comes out is is appropriate. And uh, I think we could be on a first name basis, man. You you earned your stripes. I, I appreciate that, Mr. Irving. I'm gonna call you Mr. Irving though because I was raised a certain way, and I'm okay. I'm be sure I'll be formal and uh, give you the respect that you deserve. So, um, yeah. It's been a lot of fun, man, watching you as a kid, as a youngster, and be able to meet you. It's been unbelievable, man. Um, obviously, a lot has happened in this past year. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell us and you know how you've handled it and describe what your your lifestyle has been like since the pandemic over the past year. Yeah, uh, I think our first meeting was uh, was in Philly when you came in with San Antonio. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just hanging out in the lobby because <laughs> I was there for one of my six promotions. You guys came in and y'all were down in the lobby for about two hours for whatever reason. <laughs> that it was that type of thing, and uh, you know, got a chance to say hello then. But uh, the last year, the last year has been uh, nothing short of you know, the most difficult year in my history. I'm 71 years old, and I don't remember having a year like this from uh, March to March or from April to April. You know, once the pandemic hit uh, full blast, uh, you know, particularly the way the White House was acting about it, it just uh, created a state of uh, mass confusion. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people. I watched this crazy movie last night, man. It was called uh, Unhinged. Mm. <laughs> I think a lot of people were coming unhinged, you know, either uh, highway hypnosis, road rage. Uh, a lot of suicides, uh, and then, I mean, it's an abominable number of uh, people who have lost their lives and lost their loved ones 
uh, during this time. It's kind of unprecedented in the history of our country, although there have been situations around the world that have been worse. But uh, we hope it gets better before it gets worse. Hanging in there, uh, continuing to breathe, continuing to try to lend a helping hand to those who are less fortunate. Uh, you know, I hear about your, your charity work, your giving, the Sixers uh, involvement in the community, what have you, that just, uh, you know, becomes something that becomes another positive uh, for me and another opportunity to try and, you know, expand on the different things that I learned as a Salvation Army kid. And uh, that's why the Salvation Army has been you know, my lifelong uh, charity and I'm always going to be indebted to them because of that. Dr. J, uh, Julius, uh, Mr. Irving, however, Mr. Irving. I should be refer referring to you. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to have you on. Uh, I do want to talk about basketball and potentially Eastern Conference Finals, and we'll do that later on in the show. But as you were referring to, we've seen a tremendous loss uh, over this past year. If you could just give us some words about the influence that uh, Elgin Baylor uh, had on your career and your path, uh, and then eventually we'll we'll get to more basketball stuff. But I know he had an impact uh, on how you worked your game to where it got to. Yeah, uh, glad you asked about uh, Elgin. You know, from a distance, uh, you know, maybe I admired him the way that you know Danny was talking about it, admiring me. You know, since we both grew up on Long Island, and Elgin is a DC guy. Uh, when I first saw him play, man, my eyes lit up, <laughs> my mouth dropped. I was like, whoa, let me go try that out of the park. <laughs> so I go down to one of the parks in Hempstead where I was, you know, K through eight, or in Roosevelt where I went, you know, nine through 12. And, uh, you know, go under the basket, shoot scoop shot, jump in from out of bounds, flip it up on the board, do tricky stuff. And Elgin, you know, he had he not a, he was not only a trickster, but he was powerful. So he'd go and, and uh, you know, he'd go in on Bill Russell, and Bill always had a model. He said, yeah, you could trick me once, but you can never trick me twice. And I think Elgin might have been the only guy in that era who could trick him two, th two times, three times, four times, because, you know, he had a lot of high-scoring games. And, um, and, you know, and he was a pleasure and a treat to, to watch, so... You know, he was a phenomenon, and his game was so different than, than everybody else's. You know, he stood out, and when I, when I first got to meet him, uh, we were actually in Las Vegas, and we, we, play, we, play, we played golf together, just to mention golf again. And he had a short backswing, but he had so much power. You know, he could deliver the shot. And uh, so his was a swing that <laughs> I wasn't trying to emulate, but just spending four hours or five hours out there with somebody, you know, who you admired, you know, that, that, that brings something out of you. Uh, you know, it brings confidence out of you for one thing, because, you know, you're meeting one of your idols. Uh, he's iconic. And this guy was so humble. He had so much humility. And he was, when I talked to him about doing his autobiography, he was like, no, I don't really want to hurt anybody's feelings. And, you know, my life has been such and such. And whatever, and for me to be honest, you know, I probably have to say some bad things about people <laughs> and whatever. And, 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 you know, he was just that type of guy, uh, conscientious of the world, conscientious of others, and, uh, and so special uh, as a talent, you know. So he's, 
I picked my all-time team, Danny, I picked my all-time team when I was 15 years old. And I said, Wilt and Russell, Jerry West, Oscar Robinson, and Elgin Bell. That's still my team today. They might call me delusional. <laughs> That's still my team today, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with them. Everybody else is on the second team, third team. But that's my team. That's a great team, man. Nobody can argue that one. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of elite teams and teams with superior talents, uh, the Brooklyn Nets are a team that are a cause for concern for a lot of people in the NBA, especially other teams competing for the NBA title. I wonder, uh, Mr. Irving, if we get to an Eastern Conference Finals and we see the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers go head to head, where would your allegiances lie? <laughs> oh man, there's no no doubt, straight up. Uh, you know, I played my whole NBA career with the with the Sixers. I split my ABA career with the Virginia Squires and the, and the and New York Nets uh, at the time. And uh, and I, you know, I always pulled for the old ABA teams, uh, San Antonio and uh, Denver Nuggets. Uh, Utah had a franchise. This one is different because they moved from New Orleans. Uh, the Indiana Pacers, yes, for sure. And, and the next, uh, so, you know, I'm always going to pull for them to do well, but I don't pull for any of them to do well against my Sixers. You know? Good choice, man. Good choice. I like it, man. I love it. Um, speaking of the Nets, man, you've seen a lot of basketball in your days and your time. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess give us a breakdown or your opinion of how they've been able to frame or put together talents. What do you think of their group, their roster, and what they've yeah. been able to do? Yeah, so it's, it's reminiscent of the how the Yankees used to do all the time, you know, they, they load up, man, they called it buying a championship. And the Lakers are known for doing that too. Just, they just try to buy a championship, man. They, they, uh, they're getting all these pieces. Um, they don't know at the end of the season what it's going to look like or what it's going to feel like, but they're going to be formidable to, to anyone. Uh, you know, when you got, you know, a team with six former all-stars and, and you got several all pro guys, three guys at least, you know, who have been all pro and whatever, who have been there and who have succeeded in the playoffs, then, then that's quite a challenge. But I think, uh, you know, uh, first of all, we have an advantage coaching wise based on experience uh, with Doc uh, in terms of championship experience that you have and Dwight has or whatever. And then the ambition, I think, of, uh, of Ben. And, uh, and Joel, uh, you know, these guys are hungry now, man. You know, they've been, they've been projected and they've been a part of what they call the process for several years. Well, it's time for the process to bear some fruit. And uh, <laughs> boy, a lot of the blame went to, you know, Brett. And he, he got big shoulders. He's a man about it. And he, he, he can only take them so far. Mm -hmm. And he did. So now you got a guy who's been over the over the top, you know, who's been there as a champion, been to the finals multiple times, uh, or whatever. So uh, I'm I'm betting my money on Philly, and I think that uh, the confidence, you know, that the team has from playing the type of season that you have had, Danny. I mean, you guys have been incredible, uh, just in terms of, you know, having a better record than last year at the same time, and you know, not having uh, Joel for a lot of those games and not having uh, Curry set, you know, for a lot of those games. And then other players intermittently because of COVID or injury or whatever, 
uh, not being there, but you know, finding a way to get those W's. So W's breed confidence, and it's not cool to be overconfident, mm -hmm. but it's very cool to be confident. Mm -hmm. So you need to maintain the confidence and then get out there and perform. That's the way I see it. Dr. J, I think some of the confidence in Danny's squad, a lot of it comes from the impact that Joel Embiid has on the game, whether it's putting the other team in foul trouble or its ability to get double teams. It's also his unique ability to also stretch the floor, hit threes at, at a good rate for a big man. What do you think about the impact that he has on the game that could change a series? Because in this new NBA, so much is predicated on three-point shooting and perimeter scoring talent. It feels as if Joel can break the mold of what we've seen recently about when it comes to the types of teams that can win a championship. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at Joel and clearly uh, a great player, great talent. Uh, you know, I look at, uh, look at Denver and, you know, when you look at uh, their center and you, you start saying, well, you know, he's, he stretches the floor. He does, he does a lot of things, not as physically strong as Joel, but he's clever. He's such a playmaker. He's a triple double guy. Or whatever so you know so these guys have you know made the center's position and role uh relevant again um you know the guards had had a long period where they you know they just took over the game and dominated the game and you know i mean i tuned in some of the times and sometimes i was like got tuned out i was like god's jacking it up too much you know mm -hmm. <laughs> they're not letting the forwards and centers play but, you know, uh, the fan appeal of, you know, God's dominating the game, dominating the game, it was what it was. So uh, back to uh, Joel, uh, MVP candidate. Uh, certainly he is the team leader. And uh, without him, even with the team having as much success as it has, you know, I don't think you get all the way to the mountaintop, you know, unless some other guys go down on other teams. And you don't want to bank on that. I mean, you want to go through the front door. So you want to be at full strength and getting him rested and healthy uh, right now. Uh, you got a multifaceted team uh, with a guy who has, you know, gone through the school of hard knocks. You know, he's, he's made some bold predictions and he said some things at different times that, you know, he's had to contradict or he's had to eat his words. So you get tired of that. You get tired of it. Everybody gets tired of it. So I think he being tired of it is like, I'm going to get it right this time. So hopefully this will be the year. And speaking of, you know, the health issues and injuries and things going on throughout the league with COVID, um, et cetera, and top players like Joel, Jokic, MVP caliber players, um, you know, leading their teams or big men evolution and also certain guys, top stars being injured. Um, the league itself, especially not just the West or the East, but the league in general has been kind of crazy. Um, the West has been up, you know, very different. You know, Phoenix is mm -hmm. number two right now. Utah is number one. Yes. I don't anybody yeah. predicted that. Um, yeah. So obviously you pick us coming out of the East, but who do you see or what do you see happening with the West side of things on the Western Conference? Well, you no, I mean, I, I don't think you can uh, discount the Clippers. You know, they did it. You know, they, uh, you know, they were, control the game against the Lakers where even without uh, LeBron and with Anthony Davis, uh, they, they had pretty good control of the game. And, and 
And when both teams are at full strength, you know, Lakers are defending champions, but I think they have a lot of respect for the Clippers. You know, I mean, they're one-two punch plus the different moves that they've made uh, thus far. They seem like they're, they're playing with a, a harmony and a unison uh, that uh, can, you know, boost them over the edge. So, you know, Lakers and Clippers, you kind of put in one bunch. Uh, Phoenix and, and Utah, you put in a bunch. Can't forget about Portland. You know, people uh, tend to sleep on them, but one day, one year, or whatever, you know, the dynamic duo is going to get the right supporting cast and the ball is going to bounce, bounce their way. And then there's Denver. <laughs> and then there's Denver. I mean, you know, Denver has had uh, many opportunities, has, you know, beaten everybody in the Western Conference uh, handily at at least once or twice. And uh, so, so you can't count them out. Their experience in the bubble last year, you know, had to be a confidence booster for them. Uh, they, they got great uh, personnel with uh, Jokic and uh, Jamal Murray. They got a great coach who everybody has a lot of respect for. And they got the former ABA pedigree working for them or whatever. They're hungry. They're like the team that, you know, hasn't gotten over the hump yet because uh, San Antonio got over multiple times. So, you know, Indiana, the Nets, and, and, and Denver, you know, they, 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 have, they have much to prove. And, uh, and I think, you know, I, I mean, I think they're fun to watch. Uh, the, the playoff system this year with the nine teams and, you know, a play-in game or whatever is going to give, you know, other teams uh, an, an opportunity who maybe didn't have it before. Uh, you know, Sacramento can be a spoiler. I mean, you know, they, they have some good players there, man. And uh, every everybody at the bottom, the bottom five, you know, they can either hold their own or they could be spoilers. And uh, the, the top four teams, it's not automatic that one of those top four teams is going to uh, emerge in the end. You know, I mean, when we played for the championship in um, my first year in Philly, which was 76, I don't know where Portland started, but they were knocking people off left and right. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think they were in the top four seeds. Uh, so, you know, it's been, it's happened before. The league is unpredictable in that regard. And that's part of the beauty of it. You know, that, you know, it's just not cast in stone and always turns out the way it looks in the beginning. Before Dr. J gets out of here, we have to go over some of the most notable fashion fits that we've seen of recent take. Uh, and why don't we just start, Dr. J, with Danny? Our producer, Amjad, is pulling up uh, some of this video. So if you're not watching it on uh-huh. NBC Sports Philadelphia, or if you're not, uh, if you're listening to it on the podcast feed, you'll have to check it out on YouTube as well. So you can get Dr. J's opinion. But Dr. J, we see here this red uh assemblyman <laughs> however listen, you want to frame it what do you <laughs> listen but let's 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 keep it i mean first before we get to this let it be known i am not a model by any means i am not a fashion mogul so yeah. i do wear some fashionable stuff so don't put me in the same category as you know the legendary doc or tobias or ben or you know dwight yeah. i do wear some stuff but i am not yeah. a fashion mogul yeah. so but well, go ahead well, give, give us your opinion on that. my opinion you look t- totally comfortable. That you know, was the look. That was also in your own skin. You're comfortable, comfortable in your own shoes. 
you're comfortable with the with the red uh, hoodie on, pants to match. You know, you coordinate. Put on a jacket because it's a little cool or whatever. Yeah, Philly's cold. <laughs> that right around. You know, I mean, that's that's like the topping it off or whatever. So that so that'll fly anywhere any day. You know, might not want to wear it to church. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but when they, they, they say casual Friday, you at the front of the line. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> Danny is known for the for the backwards hat at a tilt. That is like his thing. That's part of his. Uh, I didn't. I didn't make sense. that up. Like we both grew up in New York. We know a lot of people in New yeah. York wear their hats that way. So yeah. don't make it yeah. seem like it's my thing, Harrison. You got the tilt going. Oh, we got one more guy, and this is another guy from Long Island. Uh, Danny's from Long Island. You're from Long, Long Island. I'm from Long Island. And we're going to close it out with this guy before Danny has some more questions for you. Tobias Harris. This is yeah. a mo- one of his more recent fits. What you got? Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, I like it. I think it's, I think it's great for him. It's kind of like a, uh, a mixture of, okay, let me come out in my, you know, my sneakers, my jeans, my t-shirt and whatever. And I got my mask on. But now when I put my jacket on, you know, suddenly, I mean, this could be a $1,500 jacket, you know, <laughs> or, and, and suddenly the clothes make demand, you know, with that cheetah uh, design in it or whatever, you know, you, that, that's, that's an acquisition. That's a part of his main part of his wardrobe. Everything else just, just flows, but. That top man, that's off the chain, man. That's and Jack is fire, man. I told him when he wore it that day too. I was like, oh, we got the Cheetos on, okay. Yeah. Jack is fire. The only problem with the only problem with that, once or twice a year, is okay. And you mm-hmm. start wearing it every week. Yeah, you can. Out of the year, it don't work no more. Yeah, you can only wear it a couple times. And once a year, probably maybe twice is the most. Yeah, you can be strategic but. when you wear it, and the strategic the next time you wear it. Hopefully you're around a different crowd because <laughs> they're gonna remember the jacket. He got one jacket that's really fire. I like it's a dark emerald green. It's a Todd Patrick jacket, and I think he could wear it more mm-hmm. than once or twice a year. But it's it's really nice. But yeah, Tobias is a fashion mogul man. A guy does it night in night out. A professional on and off the court. Um, obviously, it's a Long Island guy, and you've watched him. I'm sure a ton. I've watched him a ton. Where do you yeah. think he can finish as one of the top Long Islander top players coming out of Long Island? What do you think he can finish uh, in that sense? Well, well I mean, you know, I, I've known Terrell like 30 years, 35 mm-hmm. years. So we started kicking it that long ago. When I was 30, <laughs> he was probably like 32 or 31 or whatever. So, you know, so I watched the family, uh, you know, kept tabs on them. And uh, Tobias has, has made his mark. Uh, nothing was given to him. Uh, you know, he's found a way. Uh, you know, to be that unsung hero, that, that that quiet superstar. You know, he's got he's got obviously he's got still got an upside, even after these years. You know, because you know everybody wants to give him advice of what he can do and so on and so forth. And I'm like, you know, you just need to listen to Doc. You know, you you've had best results uh, with Doc Rivers, and he knows how he wants to play you and how you best suit the team. And, you know, the, he and, and Joel are like the one-two punch. Joel and him are like the one-two punch. And, 
you know, that's, that's got to work. I mean, that's, that's, that's sort of like, you got to have two guys, you got to have three guys, you know, you're the next guy in the rotation, whatever. So you know what they expect of you. And once you know that, and if everybody plays defense, everybody plays defense, the defense alone is going to take care of about a third of your offense, you know? So, so it becomes way less complicated. You know, now instead of 100% trying to figure out how to beat the other team, you only got to figure out how to beat them 66% of the time because your defense is, you know, scoring a third of your points and, and creating situations that they can't compete against, either fast breaks or fouling or, or what have you. So, you know, so keeping it fun and keeping it real and, you know, you have been there. Uh, to, uh, Tobias, you know, is yet to be there. But I think he's going to have his due. You know, it was a snub this year with him not being an all-star because usually team with the you know best record in the conference, they, they can get three guys. You know, they can get three guys. And, uh, you know, he got, he got snubbed. So, you know, if anything, you know, how guys get, right, that like light a little extra fire under you, you know, mm-hmm. get a little extra motivation. You saw guys and upticks, guys who didn't make the all-star team this year who were great candidates and there was there were upticks those those next couple of weeks in, in their in their play uh, at least they're scoring because you know they, they're playing with a chip on the show definitely and he's been i said all-star caliber player for this of us this year um you said he's never been given he's earned everything he's deserved and more um and i think you definitely finished you know top three to ever do it come out of long island dr j we appreciate your time um, we hope that you're able to come down to Wells Fargo Center, uh, potentially when it gets real deep in the playoffs, and you'll mm-hmm. be able to root on your team and some guys who have very close roots to where you're from and looked up to you growing up. I think that would be, that's almost like, I, I imagine you seeing guys win for a team that you played for with guys that grew up from where you're from that looked up to you. Yeah. That's almost like a, a, a secondary celebration for you, another, another feather in your cap, I would almost imagine. It's a great story. It's a great story. And we want it all to come true. So do your job, man. Do your job. I'll try my best. I'll try my best. And I'll hopefully get it done this year. It'll be nice, man. It'll be fun. There you will. There you will. All right. Thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate you. Later.